Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. The Bucs place rookie Keyshawn Vaughn on the reserve COVID list and a war of words with Mike Evans and two players about the NFL's top 100. And the Rays bash the Braves 14-5 as Hunter Renfro hits two home runs. We've got all this and your Mad Bag questions answered 100% correctly on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get to uh, your questions and, of course, uh, we got some some recapping of the Rays win over the Braves. Um, some news kind of came down, I think, late in the afternoon on Monday, right around the transactions time, about four o'clock or so. The Bucks had their first rookie placed on the reserve COVID list. It's Keyshawn Vaughn, the running back they drafted in the third round from Vanderbilt. Now, teams are uh, by agreement not allowed to say whether this player tested positive for COVID or if they were just in contact with somebody who had um, who had the virus, in, in which case, you know, they would be quarantined. Um, but in any case, uh, he's a key piece of what they wanted to do, obviously, in 2020. And, you know, rookies are behind the eight ball to begin with because there was no offseason. It was all virtual training. Um, you know, they didn't get a chance to really be integrated in the offense. They're not going to have any preseason. So a lot of those things are working against them this year anyway. And then now you have a guy that's, uh, you know, going to have to stay out at least until he quarantines himself or um, proves that he is healthy with a couple of uh, negative tests for COVID. So unfortunate for Keyshawn Vaughn, the veterans will start taking their tests starting today on um, when they start to report to training camp. They'll be tested um, today and then two days later after that. And if they pass those two, uh, then they'll be you know able to get a physical. Uh, and then August 1st, uh, they can start coming in the building. Uh, along those lines, Tom Brady, uh, of course, reported with the rookies, and he was in the building, as a matter of fact, on Monday, which means that he is, you know, TB12 has those immunities that he was talking about with the TB12 pills, and mm-hmm. uh, he's good to go and ready to, ready to roll on here. Well, see, I guess the Bucks should have taken J.K. Dobbins, see? Yeah, well, <laughs> if they had done that, though, although they like Jake, they actually like Vaughn better and got him in the third round, but J.K., um, was on the board, as you know, for them. And I, I had them taking him at that time, and that's when they went for um, Antoine Winfield, yeah. which was a, a little bit of a surprise, but a good value pick for them because they needed a safety. But, yeah, apparently J.K. didn't have any trouble. It's unfortunate. I mean, you know, uh, the, you're going to have a lot of guys test. Sure. Um, well, and you don't surpri- know. He may surprised. have just come in contact with someone exactly. who's got it. Mm-hmm. So he's just, you know, it's being precautious. It's not necessarily he – has it or there's any issues just you know no. that's just kind of the world we live in today so sure i mean this is uh, not the miami marlins so yeah how about that story we didn't even mention that in the open we should talk about it now because uh as we as we start talking about football players and there, there was a number of them that got put on the reserve list uh, on monday around the league but the miami marlins had to cancel the game and um so did the philadelphia phillies as a matter of fact mm-hmm. 
So uh, what, 11, how many players? 11 players 11? and two staffers, I believe. Yeah. Have how tested about that? positive an outbreak on the team. So they mm-hmm. – but an ESPN, I believe, reported one of the players had – was tested positive in Atlanta before they even went to Philly. Right. That's not good. That's not a good look. And, you know, you're less than a week into baseball, and you've got a team that the Marlins and Orioles game was postponed on Monday mm-hmm. night, most likely be postponed on Tuesday. Phillies-Yankees. Phillies-Yankees was postponed because it was supposed to be played in the same park where the Yankees would have been in that same mm-hmm. uh, clubhouse as, as the Marlins were just in. So, Right. Um, you know, it's a 60-game 60 60 sprint in 67 days, and you start postponing games this early in, that's not a good look. Yeah, and I don't. I mean, you know, as far as you start start thinking about makeups or doubleheaders or things like that, I think what's going to come down to, and this could happen with a number of teams. I mean, we don't know. I mean, this there was really sort of a catch your breath moment, I think, in sports in general. Um, Kyle Brandt, who I love on the NFL Network, uh, there was a lot of people that covered the NFL that were saying, "Yeah, what do you think it's going to be like when the NFL gets together?" And you know, those guys with the the contact they have in 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 practice alone, let alone travel and playing games and Kyle Brandt was like it almost is like people that cover the NFL are rooting for the league to not play this year and it's like no no nothing's farther from the truth you can both want the league to play and be very skeptical and Mm -hmm. worried uh, about people's safety Um, and and this is the thing like no one's ever attempted this before right you've got the NBA in a bubble Uh, the NHL I guess when they all got their tests uh, going into the bubble no one tested positive in the NHL is that right? Yeah over the last eight days they gave Mm -hmm. over 4,200 tests to more than 800 players zero positive tests. That's impressive. So during the two week uh, period of phase three two positive tests occurred and that was both in the first week among over 6,800 tests. That's impressive and and I think what it's going to come down to in all these sports and I think it might be in some ways better or easier to contain within the bubble once once people get there. Um, but even then, you know, you, you have to, it's going to be the teams that take care of each other. It's going to be the ones that do the right things all the time. That, mm-hmm. you know, and even the NFL, when their protocols are in their rules adopted by the NFLPA, uh, there's a list of things that if they feel or suspect or can prove that you did, um, you're going to forfeit a good amount of your salary. You're not going to get paid on the COVID list because – if you you know uh, go into a bar or a restaurant, uh, uh, you know if you go to a party with or a place with more than ten people, um, there's a lot of things you know share, take ride sharing, all that sort of thing. That if you do any of those things and it's responsible for you getting COVID or you test yeah. positive as a result of that, you're going to forfeit a lot of money. Uh, and include so, getting wings from a, a gentleman's club. <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that? Was that the, was that the NBA? Yeah, yeah, I can't remember the guy's yeah. name, but yeah. That's his favorite wings in the whole world, he said. Yeah, because he just, you know, I always go to my my strip clubs for wings, man. (laughs) They got the best wings. You just can't imagine. Um, But, uh, yeah, you can't can't be going there. Um, So there was, you know, there was a lot of angst, I think, about the NFL when that happened with the Miami Marlins. And, look, I I mean, it's likely to occur on a bunch of teams. And if it doesn't occur with entire teams and you're going to have a bunch of, of, of star players, um, it's possible that you know a few of those might be knocked out for a while. So again, I think the teams that really commit themselves, and it's hard to do, but you're talking about two plus months. You're not talking about a whole season. Um, and if you do that and protect your families as well, um, they're going to be the ones that emerge, you know, the most the most victorious, I suppose. But um, but it's it's tough, you know. It's it's not anybody's fault. I mean, sometimes you know these guys are going home. 
And when they do, and I, I worry about, you know, kids going to school and coming home and maybe being asymptomatic and, um, you know, there's any number of ways that this virus can be spread. So you do the best you can with it. And so far, okay with this other than Austin Meadows is still out, which uh, is another thing that it, when Austin Meadows comes back, uh, this ball club is going to be pretty good. But before we get to the Rays, before we get to the Rays here, there was a war of words with Mike Evans and two players on the NFL's top 100 list. And this kind of started because Evans was interviewed about Marshawn Lattimore, uh, the New Orleans Saints corner, who appeared, I think he was number 77 or 76, somewhere in there um, on this list. And, and he was interviewed. And, and, of course, they've gone back and forth now for a number of years. You remember a couple years ago when Jameis Winston was knocked out of a game there, uh, it was Lattimore that Evans sort of blindsided, and he ended up getting a one-game suspension for that uh, in a loss down there. Uh, Lattimore's a good player, but Evans has had pretty good games against him as well. I think a couple of years ago, he had 147 yards and a touchdown. It's gone back and forth, but when he was first asked about him on NFL Network, the was basically like, hey, you know, Marshawn Lattimore uh, held, you know, shut you, shut you down last year in New Orleans to no catches. You go, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. He goes, you mean the New Orleans Saints had a good game against me? <laughs> and so he didn't want to really give it all to Lattimore. Um, and then he came back and, you know, he, he sort of, he sort of acknowledged, he goes, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying he's not a good player. He's a really good player. He makes good plays on the ball. He's, he can tackle. Most corners don't tackle. He's very physical. So he gave him his due, but you can tell, I mean, the bad blood between the saints and the bucks is real. It really is. And it just keeps layers upon layers upon layers. And, Cameron Jordan weighed in, and they said, yeah, well, Evan said that, you know, he, it was the D because he was, what, frustrated? Yeah. Well, he should be, you know, because that's that's the way my guy does to a lot of good receivers. And, again, Lattimore, good player. Um, but when they play the Saints, if you watch, Lattimore will take Evans. He'll take the best receiver, and he'll follow him around the field. But they do give a lot of respect to Mike Evans over the top. I mean, Chris Godwin has torn him up because they keep a safety uh, many times to keep Evans from taking the top of off the defense, which he has done to Lattimore a couple times in his career. And so um, I think that's what Mike meant was that, look, they rotate to me. They're aware of where I'm at, and they're not going to let me, you know, take them apart. So uh, there's a big focus on trying to stop him first. And and so that's that's kind of what he meant. And then the Chargers receiver, Keenan Allen, uh, who was number 77 in the top 100, he got irritated about that because he, he knows the receivers that are coming um, you know, with better rankings than him. Uh, like the Chiefs, Tyreek Hill, Mike Evans, uh, he called out Chris Godwin. And his tweet uh, just kind of came out of nowhere, says, okay, I'm tired of biting my tongue. And he mentioned those three players, and he said, and the list goes on, they are not better than a better receiver than me, faster than me every day of the week. But separation, child, please. And then he said, you know, it uh, just feels like he's a better route runner. Evans did not take well to that. First of all, he said, you tagged the wrong guy, the wrong Chris Godwin. He goes, and don't be mad at us. We ain't make the ratings or care about them. I like the confidence, but be realistic. You're not at my level, bro. <laughs> so... This has got, you know, it's funny because Mike is right. They don't do the rankings, okay? Uh, and, and so it's, I think between the NFL 100 and Madden rankings makes these guys crazy. Um, I've seen guys get, you know, more upset about Madden ratings than anything they've done or not done in games before. So 
Um, it's it's kind of unusual to watch him go back and forth. There's no denying Mike Evans is a great player, and I don't know where he's going to be ranked. I know Chris Godwin will be in this mix as well. Um, if you want to talk about underrated, how about Levante David coming in at 100? I mean, that's just reprehensible if that well, guy's the 100th best player. We got a uh, uh, the uh, mailbag question on that tonight, so I'll go ahead Good. and ask that. It says, okay. from Joe, it says, Hey, Rick, do you honestly believe that Levante David's peers think there are 99 players better than him? I think it's hilarious. I think it's yeah. I, I first of all, I, I don't know how they arrive at that. Uh, if, if that's a vote by players, maybe they're asking the wrong guys. But it's a couple things, um, and this is not the first time that Levante David has been disrespected in this manner because clearly he's to me he's in the top fifty players in the NFL. I mean, I and, and I might have a hard time eliminating some of the ones to get him there, um, but I will say this that. You know, playing for Tampa Bay, a team that hasn't made the playoffs in 11 years, a team that's rarely on national TV, one of the things that Tom Brady is going to do is bring that spotlight here on all these guys. Now, you know, Levante is not the Levante of 25 and 26 years old. Um, He's in his 30s now. So, uh, you know, not that he slowed down last year. He had an exceptional year, and he's still, uh, you know, a very, very spry and young 30-year-old. However... You know, he should have been to about five or six Pro Bowls by now. And some of that is the way the structure of the voting is, that if you're a 3-4 stand-up outside linebacker where you would normally be considered a pass rusher or a defensive end in any other defense, like a Shaq Barrett, okay, um, you are competing with a guy like Levante David for a starting outside linebacker spot, and that's just not the same position. I'm sorry. You know, nobody asked Jason Pierre-Paul in this defense to drop into coverage, you know. So those guys should be should be considered like just, you know, edge rushers or defensive ends, um, but they're not. They're considered outside linebackers. So people look at the sack numbers, and that's why he gets uh, ignored, and he shouldn't because he's one of the, the, the best will linebackers in the game, and I, I think it's it's unfortunate. The, the reason, in addition to the fact that the Bucks don't win, is that he's an understated guy. He's not a, a big talker. Um, he's a guy that leads by example. Um, when he does speak, you know, he, he, the economy of words matter because, um, you know, he's been around a long time, but he's never played in a single playoff game. And that's a shame for a guy that's gone through his entire career. He'll be in the ring of honor. Um, his numbers, by the way, rival guys like Patrick Willis, who I think is a hall of fame candidate, guys like Luke Keekley easily, who just retired and is also considered somebody who could be a future Hall of Famer. Um, and Levante Davis is, ha, ha, David had done all those things. And so, you know, for him to come in at 100, I mean, the only, the only more disrespect you could give him is not have him, you know, have him 101, um, not have him in there at all. And there are linebackers in this, in this list that are going to come ahead of him that have not even played full seasons. Um, and and I just don't understand that, but that's, that's where he is. And, you know, um, if anyone has to complain, he would do it, but he's not the the complaining type. He's never, you're not going to hear boo from him because he, he knows how good he is. And, and I think his peers know whether they vote for this or not, but no, the, the, to answer the, the, uh, mailbag question, hell no, he's much better than a hundred. And, it's it's a shame that uh, you know when the list comes out he's the first name mentioned because he shouldn't have been, um, but you know again uh, you can settle all that this year on the field and I think with the five national TV games 
if Levante David comes ready to play, which he always does, and he has some some luck with injuries, even though you know as you get older you don't get healthier normally, um, I think this will be a, a great opportunity for the nation to see just how exceptional he's been. So, good question there. I'm glad uh, glad it was brought up. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently: Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash boast. So now on to the Rays, and uh, congratulations to them. They have won now three games in a row. This time, the Bats finally came alive 14-5. to five, uh, All of their uh, home runs that they hit, I mean, it was impressive. Hunter Renfro with two of them, including his, his first hit of the year and then two home runs. Um, also got a absolute bomb from Jose Martinez late in the game. Mike Zanino homered. I mean, so it was an impressive display of power. And, um, you know, they got okay pitching. I mean, Tyler Glass now was was burning through his pitches the first two innings, and he had a quick third. He winds up going four innings, but he strikes out nine. So his stuff was swing and miss stuff, as you would expect with Tyler, but not exactly uh, pounding the strike zone or, 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 you know, putting guys away uh, like he needs to if he's going to go deep into games. Yeah, you want you want that pitch efficient. I mean, you had the one inning of what eight pitches, but then after eight, that, yeah. it was sixty four pitches for three innings. That's ooh. that's not that's not what you want from a starter. You'd like to go, you know, a little deeper in yeah. the game through seventy some pitches. So, yeah, and I guess I mean maybe part of the problem is is that the the race or the brave starter um, what didn't have his normal velocity and uh, and now they've what sent him down. Yeah, Mike uh, Fultonavich uh, was designated for assignment. We just get are getting as we're mm. recording this so. Uh, he was an all-star back in 2018 where he wow. averaged 95 miles an hour on his fastball. Yeah. Or last year was 95. He was 96 and a half during his uh, 18 all-star season. He was averaging 90 or 89.3 tonight, topping wow. out at just under 93 miles an hour. So a little concern there, and they're designating him for assignment. Well, it's going to, you know, pitching is going to be so key. And even though, you know, some of the Braves starters have not gone very deep. I mean, we saw Snell the other day just get out of two innings. Of course, Charlie Morton had a had a bad opener um, a day of the season. How about the Rays bullpen? I mean, we, we knew this coming in that they have just a, a number of guys with with different styles and all of it is wicked stuff. I mean, they can all, you know, for the most part, a lot of guys are really hard throwers. Um, you've seen Alvarado, you've seen, you know, uh, Castillo tonight. I mean, you know, there were so, they're so, they're so deep down there and they can mix and match. And really Jalen Beeks was, it was unfortunate for him, um, because he, you know, should have had a cleaner inning. You know, the first guy gets on on a strike three, what they called a wild pitch could have been a pass ball, then an error by Adamas. And then, you know, then the walls fell and he ends up giving up, I think, uh, you know, four or five runs, but yep, four, uh, yeah, but but really, um, the pitching has carried the race to their three straight wins. Uh, obviously, they they pulled one out somehow with two out, and nobody on, trailing four to two in the final game against Toronto that they won in extra innings, and that's going to prove to be, I think, Steve, a pivotal game in a short season. You know, they lose that game, you know, who knows? But uh, you, you get a walk off win there, 
and then the Braves come to town and the bats wake up a little bit, and all of a sudden you're three and one. Yeah, and with the Yankees and Orioles games both postponed on Monday, you're in first place. So if baseball <laughs> shuts down today because of COVID, then uh, you know I think the Rays are champs. Isn't that the they're way it fly- works? They're flying the banner, man. <laughs> they're buying the rings, and it goes on a license plate too. I think they did that for Central Florida. They should yeah. do it for the Orlando Apollos. Did the same thing. So, <laughs> well, coached by Steve Spurrier. Man, I think the the Rays ought to be American League champs. I mean, put it down. The World Series champs uh, had the best. Best year of anybody. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll see if uh, if that comes to pass. People are a little a little. Afraid. Are you worried about baseball? Are you worried that this might be a thing where there'll be several teams that'll have to postpone games, and then those teams they played will have to postpone games, and before you know it, you only have sixty you can play. How do you how do you manage this? I, I am worried, and and you know especially if okay, so the Marlins we know have an outbreak, but. If it does, if the Phillies end up getting it from them, right, right, you know, if it's if, if if it's just a team or two and it's pretty much contained to a team or two, you may get some forfeits. You may get some, you know, which is unfortunate when it, you're trying to play a sixty game schedule. Although with expanded playoffs, I mean, almost every team gets in yeah, anyway. Everybody can so, make it, yeah. Um, you know, so I, I worry a little about that, but I mean, you know, I mean, the other part of this is, look, it's the Marlins and Orioles game that got postponed. I mean, you know, you can already eliminate both of them from the playoffs, so That's you know, true. it doesn't really matter. But yeah, I mean, I'm worried. I, I don't look at the end of the day. It's it's going to matter. You have to be able to trust your teammates and count on them. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and football is going to be the same thing without a bubble. I mean, the NBA and MLS and, and hockey are in bubbles now, and so once you get mm-hmm. in that bubble. Assuming that you can trust everyone to stay in it and 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 do the right thing, it should be pretty easy to avoid any you know mass problems in this regard. Baseball and, and football, where you go home at the end of the night, you're you're traveling, you're in different hotels and in and out of planes. And now, granted, you're on charters, but you know all this stuff that you're not you're not sanitized, for lack of a better word. In, right. in a bubble where they're controlling, you know, I mean, the hockey players are, you know, for the first, what, if, you know, week or two, you're not even supposed to socialize with the other teams, even though mm-hmm. you're in the same hotels and stuff. It's, you know, they're trying to keep everybody isolated until you know that you've got through that 10 or 14 day period where everybody's safe. And then, you know, then they loosen things up a little bit and, you know, just in the bubble itself. So, I mean, it's... You, I mean, just with the outbreaks and stuff, you do worry about it. it it's, but you have to rely on your teammates and, and the players and the coaches and the staff and all that to do the right things, not just at the ballpark, but when you're away from it. Yeah, and the difficult thing is that, like, uh, they have a bubble for those other leagues, but in this case, it's sort of a ecosystem, if you will. I mean, basically, you have to hope or get a little lucky. I mean, if you've got a family. They can't mm-hmm. go see anybody. They can't invite people into the home. And you got to hope that if your kids go to school, they don't come back asymptomatic or otherwise and give it to you. I mean, what, mm-hmm. you know, how do you control your interaction with them mm-hmm. and what they're doing? They have to buy in as well. Yeah. So it's a total commitment. And, you know, um, and, and to baseball be fair, plays ba- a lot of games. Yeah. And to be fair, baseball and football, the bubble really didn't make sense for them. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. when it comes to, okay, it's – Two two plus months and in football three or four months of being right. away from your family. Every yeah, you player, I mean, four months. You know, yeah. basketball and hockey and and you know, MLS is doing this tournament. It's just a kind of a, a preseason, yeah. You know, a tournament in season tournament. But hockey mm-hmm. and basketball, after two weeks in, 
you know, like eight teams are going home. And then another two weeks in, four more are going home. And, That's right. You know, you're only it's only a handful of teams that are going to be there that long period of time. You're not talking right. the whole league. You're not talking a majority of the league. It's you know, I mean, there's twenty two, you know, twenty four teams for the for the you know hockey and twenty two for the NBA. But in two to three weeks, it's almost half that. And then you know, like I said, and then it goes down from there. So. You know the the bubble system and being away makes it a little easier because you're not dealing with every player having to deal with that. It's you know only the the teams that keep advancing are going to have to have the long time where they're away. And I know the NHL once you get to the conference finals, they're allowing your families to come in too. So mm-hmm. at that point, because they'll have more hotel rooms and be able to accommodate more people in the bubble because there's less teams. So you're not dealing with 52 players from 24 teams. You're talking four teams at that point. So. Go ahead and bring the families in and that. And they'll have to test and quarantine and all that. But, you know, so it, it, it works. Baseball and football don't really have that option realistically with families and all that because of the length of time and the fact that every team's got to be there the whole time. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, we've heard the commissioner um, talk about playing the, the season in its entirety or playing the whole season or, or something, that, words to that effect. I think now what they're talking about is completion. In other words, they, they – I think they fully expect, and they obviously have levers they can pull to shorten the year. Um, and and more specifically, and this was brought up in the Monday Morning Quarterback, uh, I think, Colin with Albert Breer, is that, uh, or maybe it was Peter King, I don't know which one I read, but uh, is the fact that, that they may actually have a situation where uh, if one team has an outbreak uh, or, or the two teams that are playing each other do, um, that game, that individual game, might be rescheduled rather than just canceling the entire week of games. Um, so, so maybe you, those two teams, if they had the same buy, would move to another week and and you know and play that. Um, we saw that you know in cases of the hurricanes were teams that had the same buy week. I think Miami and Tampa Bay did that um, when when week one was canceled and, mm-hmm. and they they moved it and, and played each other during the, what would have been their bye week. So, you, yeah, I think you know it's a unique year. For everybody, the, the, I think the NFL is sort of prepared to shorten the season if they have to. They have weeks they can do that. Um, they've, you know, have certain weeks where there's no interleague play, um, and so you know we'll just have to kind of wing it a little bit. I mean, you have to figure out how you can be safe, what makes sense. Um, you know, if you have an entire offensive line wiped out, you know, you don't, and you don't have. Mm-hmm five practice squad players available. Now they've done things like expanded the practice squad. IR is sort of unlimited for recall. If you have players you want to bring back, um, even on the practice squad, there can be guys that have two or more years experience. I mean, there's all kinds of, of ways to try to replenish the troops, if you will. But um, I also, I mean, I'm more confident that the NFL may start on time. I'm not confident they're going to go through the entire season without some of these issues where one team is disproportionately or one area infected and um, maybe games get rescheduled or postponed or something mm-hmm. to that nature. Uh, and we'll see if they ever play or take it to a Super Bowl. But that's their goal is to play and take it to some conclusion, um, you know, with the postseason and a Super Bowl. And I, I think they're committed to doing it. And I absolutely mm-hmm. think that the football will be the hardest of all the sports um, to prevent infection only because – Again, uh, they're not in a bubble, and just the nature of that sport um, just requires so much contact and close contact that it may be hard to do. 
And then finally, we mentioned the other day that the Lightning are in Canada, and the good news is is that uh, Steven Stamkos, the capitone, was uh, a full participant in practice, so it looks like he's ready to go. Well, yeah, he's not going to play in the exhibition game on Wednesday, mm-hmm. uh, but he is. Uh, he was a full participant in practice for the first time since uh, the uh, what they call Bolts Camp, I guess. Every, everybody's yeah. got their own terms for whatever, but two point uh, so, Yeah, whatever. since Bolts Camp uh, started, so that's a good sign. Uh, he will not play Wednesday. We'll see if he starts playing in the round robin starting on Monday when they face the Capitals at four o'clock. Um, you know, John Cooper had said that he was. You know, wants to get him in at least one of the round robin games. Two would be great. Three would be even better. So uh, we'll see what that leads to. But a full participating practice is a very good thing. Yeah, absolutely. We're glad to see that. I'm ready for hockey, even if it's a. Uh, we got hockey. We got game three games Wednesday. today. Three exhibition today, games yeah. today, starting at four o'clock. Um, so mm-hmm. it'll be uh, games three today. I think there's six tomorrow exhibition games, and then three more on Thursday. That's incredible, man. Just another sport to look forward to and to follow. So. Let's get to your uh, mailbag questions, and uh, we've uh, answered one. we got a few more. Uh, let's do it. Well, Craig asked, and it kind of t- dovetails on what we were just talking about. Now that uh, Major League Baseball has failed, what will the NFL do? Should they push back till October? And why is no one blaming the leadership in Florida and the rest of the country on why this is such a mess now? Korea's had no issues in their league. America failed, but sports media won't accept that. I don't know that sports media, you know, anytime you get into this political football no pun intended um you you know you get the hashtag stick to sports crowd right like you're not supposed to uh, have an opinion about um you know how this country has has tried to uh you know to battle uh covid it became political in many aspects we're all aware of that um you know look there are certain states uh, now in the sun belt and started in new york they've done a hell of a job um you know bending the curve reducing cases whatever you want and and in the Sun Belt, that's not the case. It's not been the case in Florida or Texas or Arizona. And California now has had a record number of cases. So, uh, you know, blame doesn't seem to change anything. I think the goal is is to um, be as safe as possible, start the NFL season, monitor closely, um, you know, how those players do or how those teams do, especially in areas where there's a – you know, a, a big outbreak like Florida and other other cities, and listen to the CDC and and try to get the best recommendation with respect to playing with or without fans. That's that's still yet to be determined in many areas. So there, there's a lot here. I, I was watching a, an interview uh, on CNN. As a matter of fact, Rich McKay was interviewed among others with the Atlanta Falcons, and they were talking to the um, the NFL doctor, Doctor Sills, or whatever. But um, you know, like Rich said, he goes, look. Um, you know, is it, uh, you know, is it a mandatory business? Is it, you know, something like that? Um, you know, it's important and, and they're going to try to play and there's no doubt they're going to attempt to play and they're going to try to do it as safe as possible. Um, and they have the benefit of still watching things that are happening now in baseball that'll happen in the NBA or, or hockey or soccer. Um, and you know, they'll, they'll, they'll do the best they can. They, they have ways of trying to bring a season to its, its completion. Now, again, that doesn't mean 16 games. Um, that doesn't mean that the Super Bowl is going to be played on February 7th. Um, it can mean a lot of different things, but that's the goal and they think they can do it and they're going to try to do it because those other sports have tried and are, are actively involved in, um, in their seasons. So, why not try? Why not see um, what the best practice is here? Uh, 
Um, I, I just don't, you know, blame games and things like that with respect to sports. It's a business. It's 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 a big business. There's millions and millions of dollars at stake. And um, look, we I mean, as as human beings, we like to feel some sense of normalcy. We like to look forward to things. I look forward just in these last couple of days to knowing that the Rays were on television and, you know, you watch a ball game. Um, and that's, that's the case probably if you're an MLS fan and it's going to be the case soon if you're an NBA or an NHL fan. So, I mean, all those things are, you know, part of the American psyche, part of business. A lot of people's jobs, um, you know, are, in, are wrapped up in, in the business of sport. Uh, so there's an economic, a big economic, uh, impact there. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what or, or whom they're expecting to condemn. Um, like I said, I mean, Kyle Brandt said something today. Um, and I love, I like Kyle Brandt a lot. He's, he's to me, he's one of the funniest guys on television, uh, and a really smart guy, but you know, I don't think anybody's rooting against anybody. I think every, we all want normalcy. We all want, um, to live a, a productive, safe life or we all want our kids to go to school for God's sakes. Um, we just want to do it when it's right. We want to do it safely. Um, you know, we don't want anybody else to get sick unnecessarily. You don't want teachers getting sick. You don't want athletes getting sick. And, and that's the thing that I think, you know, when, when people speak out about it, that's what they're talking about. And so there's a lot of individual responsibility here for these athletes. And just same way there is for newspaper reporters or radio producers or whatever, you know, anybody out there, uh, doctors, nurses, I mean, we've all got to take care of each other. So let's see, let's see if they can pull this off. They, in Korea, different society, um, different culture, uh, you know, the mask came on very early. Um, they've been prone to wear them before. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of countries that if we, we're not going to compare favorably to period. There just is. I mean, you know, we are, you know, the hot spot of, of the world right now. So, uh, got a long way to go, but I, you know, I'm encouraged at least by, like we said, the number of tests in the NHL and, and, and how they've conducted themselves. Baseball was a bit of a wake up call today. We'll see what the NFL does. Um, there's going to be, there have been players already with the rookies. When the veterans start to report, there'll be more positive cases there too. And, you know, they're going to try to address it and it's a next man up sport and they've, you know, sort of structured things to have those players available. So let's see. But uh, I'm not. I'm not going to fall into the. Uh, and I, and look, I don't. I don't typically, you know, get into politics anyway because I don't think people come to this podcast for that. Um, obviously, it's a big part of life. But in this case, you know, condemnation of one side or the other. Let's just let's just all do what we can do to try to be as safe as possible and protect others. Michael asks. Could Tampa lose the Super Bowl if the league feels it's not a safe host city? Well, I think that'd be very difficult. Um, that is such a, a an enormous event. Um, can they? Yeah, I suppose they could. I mean, let's not say that the game itself if it couldn't be played someplace with fans, without fans, how many. I mean, all that is, is such a an unknown right now. I mean, tomorrow is unknown, right? So... Um, all I know is that, you know, Tampa has the Super Bowl because, you know, Los Angeles was building a stadium. They had some constructions delays and, you know, the NFL likes to see a, a full season played in a stadium before they host the Super Bowl. And that wouldn't be the case because this will be, you know, um, 
you know, a couple full seasons now they'd like to see. And this will, this will be another one out there. And of course it's the Super Bowl is there next year, but I don't know if you can move that game. I think what they can do though, is move the game later in the year. I think they can play it so long as they have some warning because, you know, hotels and restaurants and things like this can't hold, you know, large blocks of rooms on the hope that they're going to play a Super Bowl any given weekend in February. You can't, you know, you can't block book a whole month of hotel rooms in the Tampa Bay area. So um, they'll have to kind of know how how many weeks they would move that back. But you could eliminate bye weeks. You can do some things. You can play the game as late as March. I mean, the weather's not an issue. Obviously, here as you even as you get later into February, uh, if anything, it starts to get nicer when you when you get to the end of February. I I fully expect like if you if you said you know. Hey, you got one bet here. Is the NFL gonna gonna play the Super Bowl? Are they gonna play this season to fruition? I would say yes. If you ask me if they're going to play sixteen games and play a Super Bowl or play it on time, I would say probably not. There's probably gonna be an interruption here somewhere or a shortening of games, um and, and perhaps a, a delay in when the Super Bowl is played. But to move that game um, from a community after the planning that's been involved and what it usually takes to put it on. If there's fans involved, it would be very problematic. And if there's not fans involved, why wouldn't you play it here anyway? Well, I, I think um, there's a difference, too, between the game and then all the festivities the in around, yeah. around it. Mm-hmm. And that could all go sure. away or not happen if they feel sure. it's not safe. And if you're not going to have fans right. in the building anyway, you may not have all those fan events and – and so, Absolutely. you know, I think the game stays because I just don't think they're in a position. They, it's kind of hard to move that and whatever else unless, you know, unless they're already holding some other location we don't know about. Yeah, but, I mean, anything's possible. But, you know, all the events surrounding the Super Bowl and the lead-up for, the, you know, the week or two prior, I think all that stuff's probably on the table and, and could happen, may not, may change, may, you know, I don't think it goes elsewhere, but it, it may not happen as, as you're used to seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with it totally. I think they'll play a game, um, and and you know this has happened before where they watered down the number of parties. Um, you know whether there was economic crisis um, and they seem tone deaf or times of war and things like that um, with a more somber mood. So they've they've had to adjust some of those events in the past, but to can't to postpone them, cancel them all together. Yeah, that that's a that's a different deal, and I would agree with you that. Um, that remains to be seen how much of that will occur. All right, Les asks, Rick, what do you hear in regards to Buccaneer players possibly sitting out this year due to COVID? I know Smith has been vocal about maybe not playing. Anyone else that may have discussed it with the Bucks? None that I'm aware of, although I, I think there's probably a, a number of players that are concerned. I don't think it's um, you know specific just to Donovan Smith, although, you know, Look, again, and we sort of talked about this a little bit, there's a lot of guys that fall into the category of uh, being able to opt out because of uh, medical reasons or because they are vulnerable. And they're listed um, in that agreement that the NFL just made with its players. And we've talked about it. You know, if you are black, Hispanic, Asian Pacific, um, you know, you're in a high-risk group. If you have diabetes, high-risk group. Or, or sleep apnea or, you know, just a number of things that could compromise your immune system. Um, large body mass. Okay, hello. Got a bunch of 300-pound guys. 
So there's there's any number of reasons you could opt out. I think that the players are going to get an opportunity to come in for a short period of time before they reach an opt out deadline and and sort of you know sort of try it out, look around, see what the safety protocols are, see if they still feel you know unsafe um, or if they feel like they're putting their families at some kind of risk, uh, and and then they can determine whether they want to go forward or not. Um, I, I think. On a team that has, you know, it's going to have 53 players and probably about 14 practice squad guys, um, could you have an opt-out or two? Yeah, you could. I mean, we've seen it in baseball. We've seen it in less contact sports and in, in, in sports with guys that seem to be less, you know, less susceptible to virus and this sort of thing. So I, I do expect to see a couple. And... You know, the thing about it is football is, is as much as any professional sport, it's it's the most next-man-up sport there is. And so, you know, I can't compare, you know, a, a pandemic to a guy that has a sore thumb or elbow, but I knew players that were well-established that wouldn't take a rep, not a rep off in practice because they knew that if they let that other guy go in there, he may impress them and one day he'll be replacing them. And that's just the nature of football. So, um, again, every every player has to do what's right. Guys have different situations with who's at home, uh, whether it's young infants like Donovan Smith or, or uh, you know, who has a young daughter now. Um, or maybe they live with uh, older you know, parents or relatives. I mean, who knows? So everybody has to make that decision. But it's a pretty big group of players and coaches. So I, I could definitely see more than just a player opting not to play this year. All right, Harlan asks, what will next year's NFL draft look like if college football is severely impacted by COVID-19 and the long-term impact it may have on the NFL? Wow, these are heavy questions. Um, Next year's NFL draft, I think, will be held uh, pretty much the way it is now. Uh, I I think the impact will be on college football, not the NFL. Um, Look, and and this is something that college football will will have to reconcile is that if they're unable to play this fall and they want to move their season to the spring, your top players uh, would be advised not to play. And I don't think they, I don't think they would play. Um, there's too much money at stake. I don't think the NFL, you know, would move the draft back necessarily to accommodate a full, you know, college season. Um, I mean, they could, but, you know, what for? They feel like that the best players will be available and they're going to take the best players. So that's an individual's decision that these guys will have to make at the university. So I don't see a change in the NFL, uh, to be honest with you, in the draft. Um, you know, could they move it back a month or two? I mean, I, I mean, maybe any of that's possible, but not not necessarily to just accommodate guys that they know are going to be in the draft and they know are going to be you know, fairly high draft picks. Those are going to be individual decisions that will hurt college football more than it'll hurt the NFL. And, um, you know, there's ramifications if guys, you know, don't come out and you get the backlog of players and, and that sort of thing. But, no, nah, I mean, what what slows the NFL train? I mean, I really haven't haven't seen that occur. And there, I think, you know, by that time, we'll be into the spring. Hopefully a vaccine will have emerged and be taking place and in mass distribution so, I mean, college football may or may not have to push their season back, but there's going to be a draft sometime, you know, in May, um, at least by May, and, and 
I don't think anything that college football does will change it. All right, Kyle asks, with Blake Snell and Charlie Morton struggling a bit in their first games, I was wondering when watching a starting pitcher warm up before the game, can you get any indication on how well they were performed that day? And if so, do the managers know this going into the game? Um, you know, it's it's a hard thing to gauge because you'll hear guys say all the time, um, and just in the, the, the amount of baseball I've played, um, a lot of guys go out there and they don't have anything in the bullpen. They're like, yeah, my location stunk. I didn't feel good. And then they go out there on the mound, and for some reason they, they kind of get clicked in and settled in, and, and they throw great. And then there are other times where – you know, guys were like, well, I had a great bullpen. I felt, you know, I was throwing the ball well. I was locating it well. And I got out there on the mound. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't control the strike zone. Um, so it, it kind of goes both ways. I mean, I think I think you would, you know, more often than not, you want to be consistent. Uh, you know how to get loose. You know how to warm up. And you want to have a good bullpen, you know, before you get out there because you only get 10 pitches and then the first batter's up. But, um, you know, most of these guys are creatures of habit. And, you know, they're going to be around the plate, whether they're throwing on the side or the hitters. But I don't know, Steve, you've been around baseball. I mean, I think it's hard. It's sort of like I equated to this with football. I've had coaches say we had the best week of practice we've ever had. And then they go out there and get absolutely annihilated. And then I've had coaches say, Mm -hmm. you know, we stunk in practice. And thank God that we played better in the game because I'm telling you, um, we we couldn't hit the broadside of a barn for Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I don't know that there's any one way to really gauge that. I know I've talked to pitchers before that have said, you know, I, I had nothing in the bullpen. I went out and threw a complete game shutout. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's just for right. some reason sometimes it clicks. You know, you watch a pitcher and, you know, he's rolling through three innings and then all of a sudden the fourth inning can't find a strike zone. Yeah. And it gives up a few runs in the fifth inning, they lock it down again. I mean, you know, it just it, – right. I don't think all you confidence. Could, I, I think there's some things you could probably tell in in the bullpen is you know velocity maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know if if you're throwing the fastball and it's two miles an hour slower than normal, maybe you don't have it that night. Right. Um. Maybe you're a little tired or you have yeah, a tired arm or yeah. Whatever it may be. I mean, you know, Dead I think arm. I think that may be a better indication than anything right. else in in as far as warming up. But there, there's guys that will have great like a great slider for a couple innings and it goes away mm-hmm. and then they, then they, then the curveball's working for an inning. You know what I mean? I mean, it can be inning to inning, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, it can be sometimes batter to batter, but definitely inning to inning. Mm-hmm. It, it, baseball, the hardest thing to do is, you know, is throw that ball where you want it and, and get batters out and then also hit it. I mean, that's, that's, that may be the hardest thing to do in sports consistently. Uh, take a round ball and and uh, hit it square, and a round bat and hit it square is what they want you to do. Square it up. Mm-hmm. So when that ball's moving, all I mean, the, there's more movement on the balls now than ever before. I mean, oh, you know, great. I mean, look uh, look at the Rays pitchers. I mean, you want to talk about how you build a pitching staff? Is you find a bunch of pitchers mm-hmm. who every everybody's pitch moves a different direction. <laughs> Try facing that every game when you rarely are going to see a pitcher twice in a game too when you face the Rays. <laughs> yeah. They are a handful. They were a handful against the Braves, let me tell you. Um, those guys were pretty frustrated. But you're right. They come at you from different angles, different speeds, um, different uh, pitches that are moving all over this wicked. And uh, I don't know how anybody hits it in the big leagues. But, yeah, I, I, the bullpen, I think I just think it's one of those things that's hard to predict sometimes, you know. Jeffrey asked about the home team or, or the crowd noise at the games um, as, as he's watching the Rays games. He wants to know what you think of it. Do you like it? He does not like it. 
and he has a suggestion for extra innings instead of starting a guy on second base. Either you have eight guys in the field or you give them four outs instead. Wow. Um, yeah, the four outs doesn't guarantee you even get a base runner, though. That's the problem. Well, um, but it, but what it avoids, and he said, is it avoids one dinky hit getting a win. Yeah, but I think that's the intention. Mm-hmm. In other words, sure. I think the intention is to end the game right there. Yeah. You know, you don't want to play a tenth inning. You want to say, well, both teams are going to get a guy at second base. They can move him down, move him in, get him over, get him in, whatever. But we're going to give them both a great opportunity with nobody out in the men on second in the scoring position. One hit, one error, anything scores that run. That's the intent. Um, I I, I kind of get it. I, like I said, we talked about it the other night. I think it's I think it's very interesting, and I think it works well. Um, as far as eight guys, eight guys in the field, and how you would position them. I mean, well, the Rays have I been experimenting know. with two outfielders. So. Yeah, I mean, they, these days when you think about it, they leave the entire side of infields open, right? So, so in essence, that really wouldn't change a whole lot um, with the shifts that they play to begin with. You could you could easily play with eight players if you wanted to. Um, so. I mean, I, I'm not trying to poo-poo this guy's, you know, sort of notions. I, I, I think it works. I think it's going to be fun to watch going forward. I, I don't know that I that there needs to be a better, you know, sort of overtime or extra inning system. Yep. Do you? I mean, I, I kind of, I, I mean, I, there may be a better way, but I like the, 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 I like the runner on second. I think it creates excitement. It creates urgency. Yeah. Um. You know, your the pitcher's got to go out there and, and throw good pitches right away. Yeah, you can't. You're not just you know. Okay, I walked a guy, or you know, give up mm-hmm. a single. I mean, you're you've got to pitch right away because that single could lead to a run. I mean, that game can be, you can not be tied in a hurry without a home yeah. run. I mean, you know, home run can always do that. And and I like his other part was the crowd noise, and I like it personally. Well, I do too. I think they. I, I think I, I think all the televisions, all the games I've seen from soccer to baseball, um, I, I like what they've done. It's it. It makes it feel, particularly if you're casually watching it, mm-hmm. it feels like it's normal. Yes. I mean, yes. you know, I suppose you know if you're if you're sitting there hanging on every every pitch or you know every kick of the soccer ball, and you're noticing there's a lot of crowd noise and there's not one person in the stands, you know, it's kind of noticeable in that regards. But you know, just to casually watch a game or to have it on and that it feels normal. And I know hockey's going to do the same thing when it starts up this week. You're going to notice that on the broadcast as well. Um, they're all doing it. So, I would also say this. I was there um, one day when they were playing an inter-squad game with no noise at all. Mm-hmm. And until you see a game where there's no sound except the sound of their own voices, that's when it becomes weird. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not all, and, the, not and, all the leagues are putting it in the, the, the venue like baseball is. Right. So, like, hockey's doing it on the broadcast. Right. Um, you know, it's not, you know, so the players are still getting it, the silent treatment, so to speak. Yeah, they're still they're still seeing the eeriness of it all, and they can hear each other and all that stuff. I understand that, but from a spectator standpoint, I mean, that's I like the soundtrack of baseball. I like mm-hmm. the soundtrack of you know what comes across my TV. I'm not really actively thinking. I see the empty seats, but I'm not actively thinking that you know this is piped in white noise and stuff like that. And they're getting better and better with the the response. You know, whoever's producing the crowd noise is getting better with the the appropriate response to the play. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I I think it's worked well, and and I know for the players in the game at the stadiums, like the Rays are doing, I know they prefer it. They like, you know, we we like the walk up songs, we like the the organ, we like all of it. You know, I would it, think it gets, particularly gets base, baseball. 
that that would be more important, I think, than any other sport. And, and, mm-hmm. and the reason I say that is because there's more downtime. Yeah, baseball's not a sport where there's a lot of action. Yes, I mean you can go a long time between balls in play the way strikeouts come anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, where you know hockey or basketball, you're you're still up and down the court or the, the sheet of ice, and, and soccer, you're yeah. running around. You know, there's not the there's not this long stops of okay here's a pitch okay 20 to 30 seconds here's another pitch up oh, nothing foul ball the 30 pitch up oh, 30 seconds up oh, no that's a ball mm-hmm. you know i mean there's a lot of time of just standing around and that silence would probably be pretty weird yeah no i i would agree it's just a different game and and um yeah it, it's i i don't know it, it it was so different and so much better with the crowd noise uh, however it came across whether you're watching on tv or being you know when i was there in person and and i can see what the players what they felt and they all to a man they all said oh yeah no we we really appreciated it we really you know wanted that um that that sound you know a little bit of normalcy for us in between innings it's dead silent and it's weird and it's like you said in stadium they all have to deal with that but um, you know, like when I watched the other night, uh, you know, Kevin Kiermaier get the hit, the only ones that were screaming and yelling, going crazy were the guys on the bench. And yet, you know, it, it seemed completely normal. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't think of it as no fans being there cause they of course would have gone nuts. Uh, but they had plenty of crowd noise when, when he got the hit in the second, in the second run scored the winning run. And so, you know, I just watched the guys celebrate and dump water over each other and scream and yell like they would. And, you know, it, it looked like a walk-off baseball game, which it was. And so I, I'm I'm all in on the crowd noise. I don't think it's hokey in the least. I don't think the athletes dislike it. Um, I think it's here to stay for as long as there's not fans there. All right, we'll end on this question. And Randy had emailed you at rstroud at tampabay.com. He says, I noted while watching the Rays opening series, the club has extended the view obstructing netting down into the bullpens. This effectively leaves only the outfield and maybe the corner seats with unobstructed views of the field if the upper deck remains closed. I wonder if you guys think the Rays should consider maybe opening up just Section 300 in the upper deck so fans could have some seats available behind home plate without looking over the netting and with clear sight lines to the field. Well, I always liked the upper deck. I always liked the 300 level. Um, That's where I like to sit was behind home plate. Uh, I understand why they tarped them. They wanted to make a more intimate uh, setting and also eliminate the vendors up there as well. Um, that all made sense, you know, from a business standpoint, perhaps with Stu Sternberg. If they get, you know, fans back into into the ballpark, maybe that's a way to go, you know, to try to keep them distanced from from each other and and from the the field. Obviously, I, I don't know that it's going to happen. As far as the netting, I don't know if that netting's up for any reason other than they don't have to worry about fan obstruction. You know, they may have extended it to protect well, players. Yeah, all the teams were doing it this year pretty yeah. much going in. So, so we just never yeah. saw the regular season start back in April. Yeah. I mean, we've seen what foul balls have done to people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's been some some serious, um, you know, injuries and things. So I think baseball needed to address that. And obstructive, I, I mean, I guess it is. You know, years ago, the entire grandstand was, you know, was netted um so you know it, it, it's just like anything else you gotta adapt and, and and move on um but as far as you know look as soon as they can have fans they gotta figure out a way to get them in there safe get them in there separated um however they do it but i was always a big fan of the 300 level man not just because the expense but just because 
I like watching a game from behind home plate, and I can't see, sit in the dugout club or whatever they call that thing. Uh, I don't have that kind of. Um, but I do like I do like not having to turn my head to watch a baseball game. I like being seeing what the catcher and the umpire see, and everything's in front of you. And uh, and to me, those you know, even and it's it's three hundred level, but it doesn't seem that high to me. I, I still feel like I'm not that far from the field. So to me, it's comfortable. I always enjoyed it. All right, thanks for your mailbag questions. Those are uh, really some good ones and deep and philosophical. I apologize for rambling if I did, but uh, we always appreciate you guys sending us your questions. You don't have to wait for a mailbag to do that. Um, And we'd like to know what you think of this podcast, what you like, what you don't like, and you can hit us up anytime on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. And tomorrow... We're going to have the great Tom Jones, the former longtime columnist of the Tampa Bay Times, now with the Pointer Institute, my former radio partner as well. So that'll be a lot of fun to kick it with Tom about all these topics. And uh, we got the Rays. We'll be playing again against Atlanta. Um, you've got hockey on the horizon. I mean, this is the, uh, you know, become an all in sort of time of year for sports, right? Yeah, the NBA and hockey get started for real this weekend. So it's phenomenal. I love it. I love being able to plan my. My afternoons, my evenings, and uh, boy, we got sports to talk about on the podcast. So, what could be better for that? So, for Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs>